When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolized Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry, I'll hang up and listen, I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 57 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I'm your host, Johnny Cullen, joined alongside Dwayne Stanell, as always. Today, we are very lucky to be joined by Billy Jaffe, um, Nesson broadcaster and also host of the Morning Brew show. Uh, Billy, big uh, big fan of your work. Um, always love my time in New England watching Nesson. And uh, as much as the Sabres Bruins hate each other, I have a soft spot for them. So really, really appreciate you taking the time to be on here, man. No problem. Are your fans going to still like you after you admit your weakness to liking the Bruins? Oh, I don't think my fans like me to begin with, buddy. Have you seen this ugly mug? So, <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't say they liked you visually. <laughs> you know, like you. That's why you wear a mask so they can shoot at your head. That's one hundred percent. My 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 parents always told me I had a great face for radio. Pretty sure that applies for podcasting too. So we're just going to run with it. All right. Yeah, uh, big fan of the city of Boston, Billy. Again, thanks for joining us. Uh, as I mentioned pre-show, I'm actually a pretty, pretty big uh, Red Sox fan myself. Um, I actually have a tattoo of Veritech punching a rod on my arm. Uh, one of my grandpa's favorite moments. Been to All Boston right. so many times. Um, so you weren't unhappy that a rod and J Lo broke up then? <laughs> you know, it, it surprises me. I talked to a ton of Yankees fans and. It surprises me that there are a lot of people that like like him a lot, and I don't understand why. I mean, you paid mm-hmm. all that money for a guy just to be a prick, and not only when you one when when you get you one ring, it's you know, you know, and then people I, are biased I, towards their own. You know what I yeah. mean? They it's 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 that way. It's that sport. Sometimes you feel like you know it right. What's gonna the vibe, and then other times. It goes crazy, but I guess one championship is better than no champ. That's true. Well, we got we, we got quite uh, quite a few more in that time span, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm much more happy than the Yankees fans. That's for sure. Um, I, live actually, a, I live in a house with a huge Yankees fan, my father, and uh, he's a Ohio State grad. So me and my brother, I became a Red Sox fan purely out of spite back in the day. Obviously, I'm you know I love the team now, but you know purely out of spite for the Yankees. So, Dad, when you listen to this, fuck the Yankees. So uh, I gotta chime that in there. Continue, Dwayne. I I apologize. No, 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 no. Just uh, that was me just wrapping my my shtick about the 
the Yankees and my uh, love for the Red Sox. But again, Billy, thanks for joining us. Yep. Um, you know, as as like we mentioned pre-show, things aren't going too well here in Buffalo. Uh, you know, we just lost our tenth in a row. Um, getting ready. Uh, I think I, I believe I, I so this is this is an avid as a Sabres fan as I am. I just stopped even paying attention to the schedule because it's just like it's. I've never I've never had an issue with watching Sabres games, even though they've been mediocre for so long. But this team in particular has just been dreadful mm. to watch. It, like they, it's like watching '90s Devils hockey. They'll put you to sleep. It's, it's yeah, but the it's, Devils won. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, this is not, this is nothing like watching the Devils of 90. In fact, you might want to go take two on that one, Dwayne. Well, I, 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 you get, you, you get what I mean, though. It's boring hockey. It's, there's nothing exciting about it. They're they're trying to play a defensive style minded hockey, but the thing is, they don't have the players to play a defensively style minded hockey. They but if they were winning partner and I was on oh, this show yeah, with you right sure. now, you would be like, oh my God, this is, you know, it might not be the fanciest, but holy smokes, they're winning. And man, they're winning beautifully or winning ugly. And it's a beautiful thing. You know, yeah. I mean, now this is tough times for Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Buffalo knows its fair share of tough times too. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I've worked a lot of games in Buffalo over the years, and uh, I've always enjoyed my time there a ton. I'm not saying that because I'm chatting with with you guys right now. I, I have. I mean, whether it was you know between the Islanders telecast or the Atlanta Thrashers, as crazy as that sounds, I was with the Thrashers for a bunch of years. But you know, I did a lot of net uh, versus work up there too, and before it was you know um, NBC Sports Virtual. Network. Yeah, I did a ton of games, playoff games, big events up there. Had a great time. Love Buffalo in the spring and early summer too. We had a great time up there, uh, but it's been crap lately. There's no question about it, and it's just a real curious situation. And I, I'm I'm watching this team well truthfully not watching them reading about it more than anything and and it's where do they go where do they go i it's rhetorical i and i don't have an answer i don't it's it it, you know that's a great question where do you go and it really starts the top for me and i've said this plenty of times that it's not even not as bad as the coaching has been um and granted the onus has to be on the players too it has to be um, but it starts at the top with the ownership, uh, yep. not putting the right people in place to, to make hockey decisions. I agree. You have a, an owner running the, uh, ho- you know, running all of hockey operations who, you know, has zero experience in doing that and has proven time and time again that she's not fit to do it, but their stubbornness or pride, you know, you know, prevents them from stepping down and putting somebody that should be, you know, here's the making- perfect, here's a perfect comparison as I interrupt you, Dwayne, um, Go back and do a little study, not you personally, people, of, or if you want to, you can. Tampa Bay, when they were owned by Len Berry and Oren Kulis. Go look at how they were run. Go look at how decisions were made. And go look at how successful they were. Then a guy comes in, by the name of Jeff Vinnick, who literally bought the team based on his experience going to the library in his area where he lived to read up on how to buy a pro sports team. And because he's a billionaire, you and I and the three of us could just go do yeah. that too. We could go read a book at the library. The one big difference is, is that we wouldn't have billions to go do it. I don't think I could be wrong, but I'm going to make an assumption that none of us do. Anyhow, this brilliant man in his, the financial field goes into it 
and and at the recommendation of people who he trusted, they said, look for a hockey team. It's probably where you get your most value, and then you go get your um, go get uh, you know a team where you could grow. So he buys the Tampa Bay Lightning, and he says, I don't know anything about hockey. I'm going to go get the best people. Yeah. Who does he get? Steve Eiserman, Steve his hockey guy. And the rest is somewhat history. Yep. And you know what he does there regularly, once a week or once a month? He goes and he has breakfast with his head coach. Not to say, what are you doing on the ice, but to learn about hockey, to talk about what's going on, to see how he's doing as a person and everything. That's management. Top-down management. Yep. That's what people – like. I don't get why people come in and try to run teams and they do it differently than they would their other businesses. I don't get it. I, I and I interrupt you, but I've said this so many times. It's it's mind blowing to me that because you were so successful in the oil business that you thought that success would just translate over to owning a professional hockey team. Has it worked for the Bills? Sure, you could say that. I personally think they got lucky with the the hires they made when they first came through the gate and Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. I didn't think they. Anybody. I think there's more knowledge about football by the average person than there is of hockey. Yes. And I think yes. there's a big difference. And 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 let's you gotta you gotta admit, like you said, they've maybe have done it more with the Bills. Well, then you you recognize that and you say, Hey, you you got it better over here. Good for yep. you. I'm thrilled for that. Yep. But that doesn't mean you're gonna get it right all the time with sports business. It's it's no different than another business that you have to trust the experts. That's yep. the big thing. And they refused to do that ever, ever since they inalienated Pat LaFontaine out the door, made him sign a non-disclosure agreement. And no one's heard from him in Buffalo since, you know, it, and that guy, that guy's numbers hanging in the rafters here in Buffalo. It's, it's just because listen, this isn't a thing I, I'm, I, I've gotten to know Pat really well with my days with the Islanders organization. I, I, I like him a lot, real lot. I think he's great. Um, and I mean, this is a general statement here, but just because you've been a great player doesn't mean you're going to be a great coach or a manager. Yeah. Again, I, I say let the experts, and experts can be any level of people. You know what I mean? So I'm, you know, whether it was a guy like Pat or whomever, you know, go get the right people yep. and take yourself out of it. Take yourself out of it. But, anyways, I digress. Now, you bring up a great point, Dwayne, too. We've talked a little bit about nothing confirmed, Billy, but. There might have been some butting of the heads between Kim Pagula and Ryan O'Reilly on a certain plane flight and with her dipping her toes a little bit too much into the day-to-day -day stuff. And and if that is the case, that sucks because uh, you look back at that as one of the biggest gaffes, and that's not the only one. My question to you guys is, is what where, where does it start to go right? What's the fix it, right? Like everybody's talking about firing the coach. Okay, but then what? We have to have a How plan. How solve all the issues? There's, there, the issue is so much bigger than that. I don't know, man. I don't know. Because I like Ralph. I like his staff. I do. Are they going to win a lot with this team? No. Uh, who's going to win? Scotty Bowman going to win with this staff? You know, young Scotty Bowman, or with this with this team? It's culture. That's kind of the, the big word, right? It's, it's the, the culture. Buzzword, yeah. It's the buzzword and everything. So, um accountability is always something you hear about players. They need to be accountable. They held, they, you know, everybody needs to be held accountable. Well, so does management and ownership. So 
the, the issue becomes is when you think that you've gotten it right and you say that you've gotten it right, and you make yourself believe you've gotten it right, but you yet you haven't. That's where the problems are. I don't know where the fix it is here. Um, because if players I, I will never say that a player doesn't want to be there until you until I'm sitting lacing up my skates next to him in the locker room. And I know it because that's really the only way that you know it. A pro is, a, you know, a good pro is a good pro, and they figure out a way to get out there and play. Might be harder for, with losing teams, et cetera. But, you know, you could, I guess the obvious thing is you could tell, like, remember Pierre Luc Dubois, the famous last shift with the yep. Columbus Blue Jackets? Yeah. Okay. That's the exception. I can sit here and tell you he did not want to be there anymore. And yeah. shame on him for having it come out like that on the ice right there. Right? Yeah, I agreed. Okay. I can't tell you that with Buffalo. You guys might see it more with the Sabres. I can't tell you. I haven't seen that yet. I don't know. And I will never disrespect the player's effort level questioning it until it's so obvious like Dubois was that one night. Otherwise, you know, these guys are trying, but there's so, but the, you know, where are they at? I don't know where you begin because right now it just seems like they can't do anything right. And the vibe is so so low there right now yeah and you have a fan base here that's extremely restless they've been doing this been doing this for over 10 years now and you know their impatience is is an understatement for for the way we felt as fans watching this hockey team and one, one of the one of the things that and Cully knows this too people love to love to love to negatively criticize jack eichel it was recently come to light the past couple of days that jack has been playing with a broken at least one broken rib or fractured rib uh, since since training camp, and he's been playing through it. And then when he was told uh, on, on the initial analysis that he uh, would be out long term, he flew across the country to get a second opinion uh, because he didn't want to. You know, as a good captain would, he does. He wants to go down with his ship. He doesn't want to sit on the sidelines. Yeah. And that's that's where I look at a lot of these Jack Eichel haters here in Buffalo that think he's the problem and say, well, why would he fly across the country with the three different injuries that he has? to get a second opinion because he wants to keep playing. He doesn't want to quit on his team. He doesn't want to be perceived as a quitter. Um, that says that, 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 that shouts leadership to me. Granted, sometimes it's not the best decision to make because maybe you should take a seat because maybe your injuries are hurting the team. But, I mean, e even with playing with that hurt ankle, now this uh, cervical injury, and before all that, through most of the season, uh, you know, cracked ribs, he's – still put up 20 point, uh, 20 something, I think it's like 18 or 20 mm -hmm. points in 20 some odd games. Even if he is, just has two goals, it's like, he's still performing. <laughs> like he's still, he's still, right. he's still the best you got. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, he's still, he's still Look, I've known Jack now for years, having done a lot of hockey East work yep. for Nesson and ESPN. And, um, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I, I'm a, I'm a big fan. His biggest issue there, I think in Buffalo is that he didn't have a lot of great leaders around him when he was younger to help guide him, to help watch. You know, I see an awful lot of the Boston Bruins between it was Chara and Bergeron and for a while Bacchus, et cetera, guys like that. And that's that's so vital for a young player to learn from that's going to be your next leader. So, you know, as I continue to make the Bruins analogy or, or example – Charlie McAvoy had a chance to learn for four years with those guys, right? So he now gets to start morphing into a leader himself. Brandon Carlo, the same thing. And so you're not forced upon you things like that that, that Eichel had to deal with. And so um, 
Jack's a great player. If he could free flow and go, holy smokes. You know what I mean? I mean, really go with support around him. And I'm not talking championship support. I'm just talking great support. You would have seen a much different Jack Eichel overall. He's still pretty damn good. But you would also have a different reaction to him. All the onus, all the eyes of Buffalo in Western New York wouldn't have been on him as as tough as, as much as they are. I have one question. I'm always – and it's tough to look back at a player's career and say, what if – you go back to his his year at BU in that championship game, and I think it was O'Connor with that own goal. Yeah, yeah. had yeah. Jack won that game, had he had that label of you know NCAA championship, NCAA champion, coming into to the National League the next year, I I mean he's not going to change the Sabers' ways, but just getting that that win, um. Does that change anything? I know we, we're not looking at a time machine, but does that change Jack the player? I don't think so. I mean, if anything, it may. I mean, it it, it bums you out. It it gives you a, gives you that gut punch every once in a while. When you think, think about, about how close that you were. But does it change him as Jack the player? Um, no, I, I don't know. I mean, if you really want to do the time machine thing. How about, I think more impactful was the Tim Murray comment about, you know, losing the first overall pick and not getting Eichel or getting Eichel and not McDavid. I remember that. Yep. I mean, that to me starts, you want to talk about, you only get to make a first impression once, you know, I mean, think about that versus losing a championship game that Jack was good. He was great. Phenomenal player in college, the best, best play, best, best pure but, freshman season since Korea. Right, so unbelievable player, did everything he possibly could. It was a very, I mean, I remember the game vividly. A unfortunate opportunity, or that was a bad goal, right? Yeah. But does that change Jack as an individual? I don't think so. I think there's a yearning there. A, a little pain that we were so close. But if you're talking about it as a pro player, I think you start with the Murray comments, even taken out of context. That's just PR 101. Holy, you know, can't you just say, hmm, okay, we didn't get number one, but man, are we fortunate to have a 1A and a 1B this year. We're going to get a phenomenal player. Holy smokes, I'm not the brightest guy, and I still could figure that out right away. You hear the other, and you're just like, are you kidding me? Are you, I still, I mean, he, he could have pulled a John Elway and said, I'm not going there. I still got I still got the front page of the Buffalo News here um, when they when they when Edmonton won the lottery and it says, We got Jack, you know, in big bold letters, and the city was buzzing. You know, we were buzzing as fans because, you know, who doesn't wall of a big, you know, a big sturdy American boy pl- playing up the middle for you on your first line, the guy that you're going to build your future around. Who doesn't yeah. love that? You know, and you saw his success at the college level his freshman year on the national level. It's, it, you know, it, it, you know, I was so excited for Jack. Parts of me, you know, maybe not now looking back at it, seeing the way McDavid's ter- career has taken off. Parts of me said, hey, I want, I want the big centerman. I want that kid. I want the American boy. I'm, I'm being dead serious about that too. Like I, I, I loved everything about watching Jack Eichel pre-draft. Everything about him, like just I, you I just couldn't thought, go wrong with either one. No, yeah, no, both are franchise, franchise one, one centers. You know what I mean? You, yeah. you could build around both of them. 
Uh, and I remember the time like it was yesterday. And and like you said it best, Billy, 1A, 1B, right? And uh, is it going to be – How hard would it have been to say that? How hard? Yeah. I know. And he was he was heated. Murray was heated when they, when they lost the draft lottery. It was – He didn't make any secret of it. He had some interesting facial tics to begin with, Tim Murray. Yeah, he does. He was a weird yeah. cat to watch operate. So yeah. – um, It'd be well, like if you're. Theater. It'd be like if you're going on a date, you know, and then and she's like, "Man, I really wanted your buddy at the bar, but I'll go out <laughs> with you." Hey, what are you talking you know about? Nightly occurrence for me here. Come yeah, on, you've got you've got you've got a lot of great qualities, and man, you're you know you're a nine and you're a nine point nine. Well, the other guy was a nine point. Yeah, but okay, let's go. Sure. <laughs> I mean, you you know, we'll go for wings instead of going to the chop house. I I mean, you know, like seriously, like, like, I don't know. I I just getting back to your original premise, the hypothetical. No, I don't think losing the game changes Jack the player. I think something more like that. Get you want to talk about wrong foot? You they can say all they want. You can buy all the flowers and you for you want after that first date to say, I you know, look, I love you too. Don't get me wrong. I don't know. It just, I think it was a sign of things to come. I do. I, I do. I, yeah. I and love the kid. I do. I love the kid. I'm biased. So, you know, I'm, I'm a mask. Uh, actually, I'm not a mask guy. I've lived here for a while. I'm a Chicago guy, born and bred, but I got to know Jack, love him. And I, I hope that he turns it, whether it's there or somewhere else, turns it around because he's too valuable of a player for the league. Yeah. And we, we're used to that. Like, at least, I, you know, being like, a, like the fan that I am, I'm used to seeing the guys who are, labeled the faces of the franchise here in Buffalo take the most criticism. And that's really with like any sports franchise. It doesn't have to be hockey, football, any, any across the board, any sports franchise. If you're the face, when things are going great, it's great. When things are yep. going bad, it's yep. bad. But you know, even back with when we had Ryan Miller, he took a ton of criticism. Um, even with Hashik, I remember just like it was yesterday, fans used to accuse Hashik of faking injuries that he was a, a crybaby, this, that, there's like, or maybe management and ownership, which seems to be a common trend here in Buffalo, refused to put a team in front of them that would compete for a Stanley Cup. And if it wasn't for Dominic Hasek, those teams probably don't even make the playoffs. And it's a fact, you know. And, and that that's always been kind of, in my opinion, an issue here in Buffalo is you have ownerships that, you know, Terry Terry Kimpagula came in like a bull in a china shop and said. Oh, you know, money won't be an issue this, money won't be an issue that. And, you know, so we were all feeling excited about that. But, you know, previous ownerships, Galisano, you know, we watched both Breer and Drew walk on the same day um, because yep. of money. Before that, with the Regas family going to jail, you know, for whatever, for whatever reasons it was, refusing to put a team in front of Hashik, you know, what, they wouldn't pay Michael. Don't Kaka. do this to yourself, Dwayne. Don't go down I, this I, road. I you, for Dwayne. You, well, let's, talk about the Bruins. let's talk about the Bruins because that's why we're here. You know, I want to talk I about the Bruins. I have a quick question for that uh, before we get into today's stuff. So, when you, you, you've been around uh, doing part time work for them since 2010 ish, right? And, and part time work for who? You started with the Bruins around 2010, right? Did part time? Uh, no, I did uh, 2000 after the actually full time. Well, well, yeah, part time. 2011, 12 season. I covered. I was, you know, I did all of their games for the NHL Network in the 11 season. But yes, I, I started doing all the Bruins stuff in in the 11 season. So you've been there for, um, you know, some good hockey, some deep runs. Um, going back to that, um, to the what was it, 2013. Yep. Uh, I believe it was, yeah, 13 season against um, uh, Chicago. 
Anything, yep. any, and I hate to put you in the spot, any, any interesting stories pop up about that finals run, you know, even just your memories from that, that game six. Um, well, the memories are, got to remember, we don't do the games regularly once they got past the first round. Yeah. National so national takes over. And, and, and again, I used up until that 11 season, did a lot with uh, NBC. Well, it became NBC Sports, but versus as well. And then I was on the ice. I, I covered all the East for the NHL Network in the 10-11 season when they won the Cup. Then I go to the 13th season, and um, I'm still doing a little bit, not not as much NHL Network at the time. The point of telling you that is that you're in and you're out then. And I wasn't living in Boston yet full time. I, I do now. We, we moved here. So that playoff run, I actually saw more of it after the first round from afar. I would start doing some games here and there. I mean, you vividly recall game six yeah. that you bring up the, the goal, the two goals in the last, what was it, minute, geez, 40-something or whatever. Like, you know, Dave Boland scoring, and you you couldn't believe it, you know. Um, you couldn't believe it. He dropped his fucking gloves. I know. I know. It was like you see it every once in a while. You're like, the guy thinks it's overtime because it was overtime. It, yeah. it basically was. Um. Uh, you know, I remember some games in. I was actually at some games in Chicago and how well the Bruins played at times. And people kept saying the Hawks are the juggernaut. The Bruins are very good, but I remember the fourth line for the Bruins being so instrumental. At sometimes a guy like Gregory Campbell, any Pie was was you know scored a goal there. Former Saber, um, you, you know, and and Tuca Rask was extremely good. But this was these were deep deep teams, both squads. I mean, I remember the dominance of Duncan Keith at times, the 32 minutes or whatever, you know, he had played throughout the playoffs at times. One specific story, I, I don't have one right here right now. I mean, the last game I was at working for Nesson doing pre and post, and we're standing there, and all of a sudden, you want to talk about gut punch. I mean, you're just buckled. You, you go from, we're going to be doing a post-game you know, for game six, heading into game seven and giddy up, you know, do we get flights or do we, you know, what are we doing? All that stuff. And, oh no, are you kidding me? That was like, I mean, you couldn't process it even as a broadcaster. And by the way, I had that same theme that, that same, it was, it was actually the same feeling times 10 when the Bruins lost game seven at home to St. Louis. I mean, you want to you want to talk about, and you're not a player, so I don't ever consider myself a, a. I never say we. I'm not a we. I'm not in the locker room. I'm not on the ice, and I respect the hell out of them too much. But when you're part of a local broadcast, and I do national, but you're part of a local, you do look. Let's face facts: the better they do, the better it is for you. From an emotional perspective, from a broadcast perspective, and from a financial perspective. So you root for them. Like I call it the 55-45 rule. You know, you're 55% over here for that home and the team. And then over here, you still have a real clairvoyant view of the other, right? A real clear. Anyways, that game seven lost to St. Louis. We were all in a fog for a week. You're like, oh my God, after the game six win and everything, game seven, you're you're sitting there and you're saying, this didn't, this, this didn't, like you, like, there's no way that this happened, right? Yeah. For a week, we we're in a fog. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Phenom uh, phenomenal take. But, you know, uh, 
you know, coming into this season, obviously you guys were off to such a hot start, you know, went on such a heater. Don't say you guys, the Bruins. Sorry, the Bruins. The Bruins. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. Um, I, we're just so used just to being, giving you crap. That's no, no, I get it. We're just, you know, being, being from Buffalo, you know, obviously pre this Bills thing, we're so, so, we're just so used to being called, Oh, you're from Buffalo. Oh, that sucks. You know? So we, we're just so used to calling our, our teams, like our teams, like we mm -hmm. refer to their team. So I apologize. That's all right. But, um, no, you got, uh, the Bruins were on such a heater mm -hmm. to start the season. Uh, I believe it's four, six and two, their last, um, 10. Yep. I want to say just top of my head, but you I mean again, you guys are holding on to that fourth, uh, that fourth playoff spot just barely, but you're still holding on to it with four seven four record. Yeah. Uh, you, got the, you got the Caps, the Isles, and the uh, the Penguins ahead of you. We got and eight games with line. Buffalo too. Huh? Eight games left. Eight games left with the Sabers. We didn't oh, yeah, like. It's just it's know? wild that they haven't played yet. <laughs> well, it's COVID, wild. right? COVID. Yeah, well, we were supposed to play. How much of them being at the – I know I'm not the first one to say this, but, you know, they've gotten their eight games out of the way against us, and, and they're they're sitting at the top. And I heard somebody say, you know, the Penguins and Bruins must be, hey, let's go. Let's fucking get our games in here, you know? I guess well, let, you know, part of that, Dwayne and, and Kelly, is true. However, take a look at the Bruins, who they've had an issue with this year. New Jersey, New York Islanders. Now, the Islanders are obviously good. But even the Rangers have beaten them twice. The Bruins have been fine against everybody outside of New York. So if we're going to include Buffalo in that, and they are in New York, you know what I mean, the, the metropolitan New York versus western upstate New York. If the Bruins keep that trend alive, they're screwed because the Sabres will beat them like four out of eight times. Now, if they play the way that they we think they can – and that they should with Buffalo, then they're in a pretty good spot. I, you know, there's no reason you can't see six out of eight wins, and maybe an overtime, you know, point here or there. I, but it, I, I am not confident enough in the Bruins as we sit here and today and chat and record this show to say that this Bruins team, it's a, it's a guaranteed W against Buffalo right now. And for I'm talking for the eight. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm saying that you have to earn respect. You have to earn respect, and you've got to respect your opponent. You got to play that way. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. You you still got that. I mean that that pasta Bergeron Marchi line is just possibly the best in the league, in my opinion. Yeah. They're just constantly on fire. You got pasta back 18, 20, 21 or twenty two points in 18, 18 games since came back mm -hmm. from that injury. Um, but you know it's kind of the depth is where you're struggling, especially in that fourth line. Um, with uh, you know Wagner and Corelli. You know, I was looking kind of deep into the numbers. When those two are on the ice, they're getting outscored 13 to 4 and 12 to 5. Not mm -hmm. something you're used to seeing from a Bruins team. You know, one of the things you're used to, used to mostly seeing is, you know, you have so much depth across your four lines. That's kind of like where I think you feel like you guys are struggling the most is in that bottom six. Where they are, yes, they absolutely yeah, there are. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to give you shit until you that. All right, the fourth line, we've talked about it on our shows, and that's one of the beautiful things about the Boston sports market is that you got to be honest, by the way. Even on, you know, team broadcasts, you you know, you 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 have to be honest. You got to point out the great, the good, and the bad or the ugly. And they don't tolerate it any other way. And not all markets, by the way, allow that. And so I'm very respectful of Nesson and the Bruins for just saying you got to be honest. So the fourth line has struggled. And that's odd for the Bruins. Um, 
you know, whether you go back to the Merlot line, which was Gregory Campbell and Sean Thornton and Danny Paye, or a couple of years ago where it's, uh, you know, Corrali and Nola Chari and Joachim Nordstrom. And, you know, then you throw Wagner into the mix and that was good for a while. It has struggled. They've lost an identity on their fourth line, which is something that is troubling because the fourth line oftentimes the last two or three years has taken a, a plethora uh, or the, the high percentage of defensive zone faceoffs, thereby allowing the Pasternak, Bergeron, Marshy line or the Krejci line, whoever's in, to take more offensive or neutral zone starts. And they struggled this year, and that's been a big issue. And the depth, yes, has struggled. Uh, Krejci finally got his first goal the other day. DeBrusque has been on the proverbial, not even proverbial, he's been on the literal hot seat for this team. Um, you know, is he the 27 or 20 goal scorer or is he a five or an eight goal scorer? We don't know yet. And this has got to be the year he's on a bridge deal for DeBrus that he steps up. He should be the 20 goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, they have seen nothing out of Charlie Coyle, who has been dominant at times in a Bruin uniform since he came over from Minnesota. There, as we again record this show, I think he's gone four games in a row without not a shot on goal without an attempt four in a row with, with zeros in his attempt category. And he's too strong and good for that. So he's struggling. And and anyway, you can go down the list, but there's no doubt it's, I'll say it's the middle six, but it's really the bottom nine, you know, that for a while it was the middle six, but the bottom nine now has become the big issue. Everybody thought it was going to be the defense after losing out on keeping Krug or not keeping him and letting Zidane Ochara go, and now the injuries, major injuries to Carlo, Kevin Miller, uh, Jeremy Lausanne, that it was going to be the issue. The defense has been fine until the last game against the Rangers, but it was fine. It was great, in fact. Five games in a row with one or fewer, one or no goals allowed. It's pretty damn good. Uh, it's been the I, offense. I've always loved, too, the, you know, I don't know if it flies under the radar and Maybe it doesn't because, you know, Tuka getting hurt, but the goaltending has been one of the best two-headed monsters in the league. Uh, Halak has been, you know, I, I love his game. Even a, later in his career, uh, I think he does a good job. My, um, you know, he was a saver for a cup of coffee. What's that? He was a, he was a saver for a cup of coffee. It was oh, yeah, uh, We traded it. We had him for like a, a day. Yeah, we had him for some fan made a great video, and I will remember you, uh, Yaro Halak video. It was <laughs> It was them announcing on NHL Network he's been, ex- or maybe it was back in those Versus that the Sabres have acquired Yarrow Lock. And then it was the start of the song, I will rip. And yeah, it's him yeah. in the locker room, like giving that awkward interview. And then, <laughs> and then it was a picture of him in a, in a practice jersey. And then it cuts to a screen. It goes, uh, NHL Network announced he's been traded again. And then, thanks for the memories, Yarrow. <laughs> I it's love a funny it. video. You have to watch it if you ever get a chance. It's pretty funny. So, Julie, my question for you is, I got to play with uh, Jack Stanika's brother in Windsor. Um, good kid, good family, mm-hmm. um, hometown guy there in Windsor. Uh, Jack was younger than me. Um, how's he been for you guys? I know he was a high pick. Um, you know, he's obviously in the lineup. Has he, has he been doing well? He's been good for the Bruins. For me, he's been great. He's a good kid to talk to. But, uh, you know, for the Bruins, he's been good. He's going to fill out. He's got to fill out still. And, 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 and he will. Um I, what I really like about him, he's got great acceleration. He's not afraid to play inside. Um, but, you know, until he gets a little stronger. And look, we saw this with a lot of young kids where they get bumped off the puck or they get taken out of the play. 
on initial contact until he gets that early man strength developed. It's going to be a battle for him. But what you know, we've seen him both at wing, right wing, and center. They've tried to give him a few cookies over at right wing, playing with guys like uh, like a David Krejci, you know, to get him going over there. But I think when it's all said and done, he'll remain as a center for them. But he's been really good. The couple of times I've spoken with him, I've, I've enjoyed him. He's got a good way about him. Uh, the Bruins need him. You know, there's the question here is what's going to happen with David Krejci in the last year of his contract. Uh, you know, there's a little ways to go still. I mean, if this team is out of it, you, you know, when it's all said and done, do you trade Krejci to get something for him? I mean, he could go to a team and help them out significantly, you know, or do you keep him? And then, and you know, what do you do in the offseason with him? If they don't re-sign him, because he's at seven and a quarter on his deal, um, and then Charlie Coyle moves up to the second-line center spot, that's where Stanika then flashes in as the third center, and he's going to have – that's going to be a big responsible uh, spot for him there. With with David Krejci on that topic, I feel like, um, you know, behind not, – not only as of late with that top, you know, Pasta, Bergeron, <laughs> A Marshawn line. When, when it's all said and done, how are we going to view David Krejci as, as as a hockey community? Right? Is where does he fit in among? You know, is he? Can you say he's one of the all time great Bruins just because of the longevity? Because um, he's never been the guy, but he's always played a really important uh, secondary role. Right? Well, that's it, it's interesting to say he's never been the guy, and I'm I'm pulling up his stats as we chit chat here. If you go back to that 13 season and the, the, the 12, 13, 14, even the, uh, the Stanley Cup championship season, he was the number one center. You know, Bergeron was number two. So the thing is, he wasn't number one in the sense of, oh, my God, he's a 90-point guy because he was playing on a different type of team then. But if right. you remember, it was Lucic and Horton that were flanking him, you know, and that was yeah. a pretty damn good line yeah. and big and strong. And the game was different. It was it was still new era hockey, but it wasn't as frenetic. Marchand and Pasternak hadn't come along. I know Marchand had, but he was a fourth liner to begin, then a third liner, and he worked his way up. Right. So Krejci was the number one guy, and that's what he ended up getting paid on. If you look at his numbers, in 11, he had 62 points in 75 games and 62 points in 12 and 7 and 33 in games, 33 points in 47 in, thir- in uh, 2013. And then he had a career high, 69. So he was paid on those couple of years. That's where Peter Shirelli gave him that seven-year extension at seven and a quarter. It made him the highest paid guy for the Bruins. Um He's, uh, he's going to hit 900 and let's say, f- I mean, if he plays the full season here, he'll be 950 something games in a Bruins sweater before playoff games. And crazy. as it's crazy, right? As David Krejci goes, so go the Boston Bruins. So it's a good, fair question. How is he viewed in theory? Number wise, I mean, he's not a point of game guy, but he's going to hit, let's just say hypothetically, this is his last year with the Bruins, if only because his contract, et cetera. And, and the Bruins have started morphing, you know, younger guys in. He gets to 950-something games. He plays uh, playoff-wise. Jeez, what is he? I'm, again, I'm pulling it up. 145 playoff games as of now. 
So let's say the Bruins do make the playoffs and he gets at least five, 150 playoff games, so well over 1,000 games. There will be questions if his number should be retired. 100%. And he's won a cup. He's been to three cups, but he's never won an award. You know, like he's never won. So remember, now Rick Middleton, just they just retired his number a year ago, year and a half ago. And, you know, I mean, is this guy like a nifty different generations? I get all that. Nifty was nifty, yeah. you know, you need, but I think there will be some conversation just like that. I, you know, there's, when you have the convert Jersey number to the rafter chair about this team current, let's also include Chara in that mix because Z just was let go. Zidane's going up there. Mm-hmm. Bergeron is going up there, right? We know those two. Uh, well, you don't have to second guess that at all. He's right. He's up- Right. So now the other one that should be up there in a millisecond, in my opinion, is Tuka Rask. He's the all-time winningest goalie in franchise history, but yet he's so polarizing. Love him beyond belief or don't love him or dislike him because he can't win the big one. Um, but I don't know how you don't put him up there. Then the next level is Krejci, but but he's before Marshan and Pasternak because he's further along in his career. Yeah. Than those guys. That's it. So those are the, that's the question marks. But there's, there's a lot of guys that could go up. Marshan continues this pace. His jersey's up there in a, in a heartbeat too. Obviously, Pasta not as well. But Pasta's so young. Let's you got to play it out. His return. Just on that note, Pasta's first game back. His first shift. Like, are you kidding me? That's incredible. Yeah. What do you have with three goals that first game back. Yeah, yeah. Pasternak is just you know. I mean, he's Pasta. He's one of those glorious guys to hang around. Because there's never a ba- bad day in Pastaville. Never. Never. Mm-hmm. Pasta land, Pastaville, whatever you want to call it. He's he's never having a bad day. He's the guy that's just just it's like a 1970s guy just rollerblading around with his walkman on, having a or roller, yeah. you know, you know, it's just just through the neighborhoods, just smiling and everybody's waving to him. He's just a he's phenomenal kid. Him. Just got that smile he's just all buzzed. the time. All the love, time. I love to hear that, man. That's incredible. Never a bad day. Yeah, I, I love I love watching Pasta play. He's like one of the I'm not gonna say a few bright spots of Bruin hockey because I, I, I do I do like your the, the the makeup of your team. Um I love Patrice Bergeron, like one of the most natural born leaders I've ever seen yep. play in a hockey jersey. Like it was it was a funny little gag they played on him when they, when they gave Marchie the C. Uh, to start, and then they mm-hmm. and then they gave it to him. That was pretty funny, but such a natural born leader. I think he's, you know, I think I think even today, if you guys were to announce that you he was on the trading block, every single team in this league would be lining up to ask how much. Hundred percent for who? For which one? For Bergeron? Oh God, no. Thirty. He's not going anywhere. No, but I'm what I'm saying yeah. is, if you were hypothetical, if you were to announce that he was going somewhere, every single team in the league would be lining up asking how much. Oh my God! Every general manager would be like on Viagra. I mean, they would be—they they wouldn't know what to do. You know, I, I mean, if, if you know, for a playoff team, for a run, for whatever, for—and and by the way, he's gotten offensively better in the last four years. Like his shot, he's worked on diligently. Uh, he's become one of the best bumper guys on the power play. But yeah, he's thirty-five. But trust me, he's got a couple of years left. He's definitely got a couple of years Let left. Let me ask you this hypothetical too, and I'm sorry to ask you all these hypotheticals. Is he a Hall of Famer? You know, let's just say he gets to three hundred. How? How, how is he not? I, I'm I'm with you, buddy. I just four selkies. I know four selkies. And if he wins it again, it should be. You got to understand. I mean, I know they won't, but you'd have to consider it. Naming the Bergeron if he won a fifth. 
<laughs> I mean, you know, they didn't do it for Bob Gainey, so I'm kind of being a smart ass about that. So I get it. But if he wins a fifth, that would be amazing. I don't know if he will. There's some great other players out there, a lot of wingers that are also in the mix now too for it. But how is Bergeron not? Uh, 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 you know, he's won the Selkies. He's won the Cup. He's, he's the captain of his team. He's, he's you know, longevity. I mean, everything. If if we're basing it all just on numbers, and by the way, you could argue the best two-way center of his part of his generation in the game. Not me speaking it. Other players yeah. saying it. So I, I think, uh, you know, I'm not a lock personally. I think yeah. it, it, it's blasphemy to say he's not. I just, when I hear that topic raised, I just think it's crazy it's even talked about. Well, because there are some questions about some guy's numbers. That this to me goes to the eye test, and this is not a Bruins broadcast. I would say this if I was working for the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> you know what I mean? The guy's got to get in. Yeah, hundred percent. It, it's my. It's unfortunately that we don't make the uh, the decisions. You know, because common- it's shocking that you don't make the decisions. Quite yeah. honestly, after being on with you guys for forty three minutes, I'm shocked that you're not voting for the Hall of Fame. I am. The two of you guys should be. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, you know. <laughs> It's a common sense decision, you know, but again, yeah. you look at those same people. Made decision. Look how long it took Dave Andertruck to get into the Hall of Fame, which was a crime. And Alexander McGillney stopped. And Grant, I'm not talking because they're former Sabres. I'm talking these are Hall of Fame hockey players who have yes. failed. Not, well, Andertruck finally got in, but right. Alexander McGillney, the guy, you know, just his story alone of what he had to go through to even get to this country. And it's the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's not the NHL Hall yeah, of Fame. Yeah, exactly. The kid, right. the kid's an absolute. It was an absolute superstar for such a long time. Was one of the most exciting players in the NHL to watch for such a long time. He's not in the Hall of Fame, and that's it, it, it's a crime if you ask me. And it, you know that's why you know I say Bergeron gets in a thousand percent. But unfortunately, I don't make the decisions. And I sometimes you know you have people who you know probably shouldn't be making those decisions. Maybe have. I think he gets in based on if anything uh, for a his. His longevity, you know, his longevity, his production, but the way that he comports himself too, the way that people view him, the gold medals for Canada, going and playing, world junior, you know, world, world junior as well. I, I mean, he gets in based on all that. It's, I don't think it's even a question, but I, you know, look, that's what makes these discussions, I guess, happen. You know, I I thought it was cool. I, I forget it. I think it was a TSN. Uh, looking back on that, what was it? Two thousand. Four, five, six. Uh, that World Junior team, the the incredible Team Canada team, and just mm-hmm. talking like a young Sidney Crosby um, said about how how he looked up to Bergeron and how he helped him that year. And you're talking about it like the generational Sidney Crosby. And this was even after you know I don't I think they played together in, against each other in the queue. Uh, just about how much he respected his two way game, and, yeah. and that, that rivalry has continued. If you ask. Uh... Crosby, if you ask Stamkos, and they've said this, you know, Bergeron is a guy that has it's of, of our of and, and he's older than a little older than Sid, just a little, and he's older than Stamkos, not by much. So again, those guys would say of the generation that you would argue he is the best two-way center. You know, that he's that he's up there, you know, that that he's he's one of the most instrumental guys in a winning culture. Because he'll also do whatever it takes. Best penalty killer, penalty face-off guy. He's leading the, the league in face-offs. I don't have the number in front of me in win percentage for guys that have taken like over 485 or something like that. 
I think he's, in today's era of how much possession matters, not just to the Corsi people, but just in terms of the way the game is coached and played, that uh, the faceoff stack goes um, or fa- good faceoff guys they're underrated. I just think it's to me it's so it's so important. It's part of the and, game, it's a huge part. Yeah. And um, okay, one 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 last nostalgia question: the way I played, I was often compared to Tim Thomas. I loved him, loved the way he played. Uh, obviously he had a weird, you know, weird kind of career coming in so late. Um, any, you know, when, when I say the name Tim Thomas, besides that Stanley cup, you know, what comes to mind and any, any interesting stories about that cat? Um, cerebral comes to mind when I think of Tim Thomas off the ice I'm talking about, um, contemplative is a word that comes to mind. Um, I, I think uh, real as well comes to mind because of how he would answer questions. If he didn't like a question, he would let you know pretty quickly <laughs> as well too. Um, uh, determined, you know, not giving up, uh, you, you, you know, on his career when he could have, when, you know, playing over in Europe and then yeah, coming I mean, back. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, just the, and, and different, man, very different. Uh, it could, it could be, you know, stories from the room at times were, weren't always, uh, easy with him. You know what I mean? He, he had his ways and, um, but I think when it was all said and done, especially for those couple of years, it was performance first on the ice, you know, do whatever it takes to win. Um, I think he was in a really good system for his his style as well. And and that is not, that's not being critical at all. That's saying, you he know, wouldn't work some teams. It's just right. The way that the Bruins eliminated certain second shots and where they were under Claude it's Julian and other that allowed him to play that ultra aggressive. Yeah. White yeah. White. Yeah. He backtracks that way. The Bruins did. I, I agree completely. Yeah. The, the way that they would come back and, this, the forwards would push to a certain point and then where they would skate to and how the D would stay within certain parameters. And it's a hybrid, you know, it was under, it still kind of is, but under Claude, a hybrid man-to-man zone, you know, especially at certain points and where the forward or the D would only rotate up to in the D zone around the circles, et cetera. And, and so um, it worked and he worked for him. And um, I always say this, and I think Tim Thomas is a perfect example, and I think Chris Osgood is another perfect example. You do not need to be the best number one goaltender in the National Hockey League, meaning the Vezina guy, to be considered a great goalie. You need to be the best goalie for the type of team that you're on, both from a style and from a personality. Bruins had a lot of old-school personality with that 2011 team, and Tim Thomas's personality was that same way. And they got each other. And it may not have always been pretty, but it was incredibly effective. Thank you for answering that. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, Billy, thanks for thank, listen, thanks for coming on uh, with us today. You know, we kept you on for a little bit longer. Before I let you go, though, I definitely want to talk. You, you mentioned him earlier. Uh, you know, McAvoy is having himself quite the season. A lot of people are talking about him in relation to the Norris Trophy. Granted, he's not like the flashiest defenseman, but he does put up points, and, you know, he plays very well in his own end. 17 That's points. Jam. Plays with some fucking jam. I love to see that. Yeah, I've loved watching McAvoy this season. Just some, just your thoughts on him. Seasons he's had, like the big shoes he had to fill with Tory Krug. And, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and Chara. 
And Char, that's right. He lost Char on the left side, and that's that's huge too. In Very some ways, yeah, Carlo getting hurt too. Yeah, Carlo being out, and Jeremy Lozan, his partner for most of the year, and got hurt uh, at the outdoor game in Tahoe. And Kevin Miller, another leader's out too. Um, love Charlie McAvoy. Beast mode is like the way I like to describe it. Um, such a good skater. Love watching him exit. Or, or, or corral the puck around his own goal line, and then and then the jersey. He's one of those jersey flap guys, you know. It, it, the way that he uh, uses his crossovers for acceleration and how he gets to yeah, and and he gets to open ice is is beautiful. Um, because he's so strong, his physical game has taken another step. He's throttled some guys this year, absolutely throttled. It started opening day against New Jersey opening night. Um, when he absolutely, I mean, throttled, manhandled Sharon Govich and put him into the boards. Um, his offensive game has started around into form, and, and that's where a big thing for the Norris Trophy talk comes into play because people always say, you know, the Norris, you know, you got to be not a point-a-game guy, but you got to be an over a typical 82-game season. You got to have at least 40 points, to, at least to be considered as a Norris guy now. Look at, I mean, John Carlson. Had what seventy something points? He didn't win it. Yossi did, but Yossi had what fifty nine, I believe, last year it was. So you got to be like half a point a game, right? Charlie's gotten to that level right now. His instincts are awesome. I do think learning under Char was so instrumental for him, but I also do think having a more mobile partner now has helped him too. It, it's allowed him to free up a little more here and there, and that's just part of the evolution of the game too. Um, he's awesome, great kid respectful. He's just getting man strength at 23, 24 years old. People think that you're in your athletic prime between 18 and 22. That's a different kind of prime. If you know what I mean, that you're, you're talking for a man strength prime. That's 23 to 27 years old, where all of a sudden you see guys fill out at 27. You're like, holy smokes. So now he's strong as an ox. He can skate forever. And he's smart. He has all this. He's got eight years of NHL experience under his belt. If you take a look at Victor Hedman, now he's a beast to begin with at 6'6", 230. But he his best years have been right. His best years have been the last couple of years. And he's still my favorite to win the Norris this year, right now. Charlie, Charlie's put himself into the, I, I call it Chucky Norris conversation. The Chuck Norris conversation. Yes. Yeah. He's put him, he's put him, he's put himself into it with his consistency and his offensive game blossoming. But is he there yet? I, I'd still say that, that Hedman has a little bit of a skate up, but but Charlie's there, man. He's getting close. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Kelly. No, I, I, it's completely off topic. My last question, uh, what was it like playing for Red Berenson? Like I mentioned, me and my brother were huge Michigan fans, went to the hockey camps at Yoast. Um, big Michigan guys in this house, strictly out of spite because my dad was an OSU grad. Yeah. But like, over that, like I just, it's 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 a passion. Like go blue. Well, if you forward. ever want to really get at your father, just you know, two things. One, you know, if you're saying Ohio State, don't use the before it. They yeah, also they always have to say the Ohio State. I think that's the most pretentious fucking <laughs> thing in the world. Uh, I always used, I was I actually had an interview once about. I was post playing or whatever, and I was asked about doing games for other schools and this and that. Now, Michigan bias, and truthfully, I don't. I love Michigan for certain things, but I don't have a Michigan bias. I'm a broadcaster when I'm doing their games. You either 
you do things right or you do things wrong, you analyze it. But I would always say, listen, I've got no problem with Ohio State. I've got no problem with Michigan State. They're both wonderful campuses. They've got great kids that go there. And I said, they're they're perfectly fine junior colleges, is what I would say. And so that would always get the people going. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Stir in the pot. Um, it was it was uh it was good playing for Red. It was interesting. Um, I wouldn't say I was one of his big guys, and so uh, uh, I, I would I would say that we got along fine when I played my couple of years there. We get along better afterwards. No, you know it was yeah. a different relationship. Um, it wasn't bad then; it was just different. Coach to player relationship is very. It was and it was different then than it is now. You speak with players now instead of to them. It's a then. big change. I, I, yeah, coaching now I know you too. Did you have Stefan Pupa there? Uh, a, a little, but I, you know, that I was a forward. So oh, you just did the goalies. Uh, yeah, I thought so. I mean, um. Oh, that was Stan Matweave. Sorry, that was going by. Poops was different. No, I, I, I had Larry. I name ever. Yeah, Poops. Yeah, I, yeah, but I had Larry Pedry. Uh, Mark Miller left. I don't know if you remember these. I'm going back to the '80s. Yeah. I'm going back to the late '80s. So, um, my my memory. Geez, you're jogging up names that I haven't thought about in a while. Uh, it, it was. Look, I love Michigan. Red is very good coach. Uh, I was probably better than what I showed on the ice, but maybe not as good overall as I thought I was, if that makes sense. I was probably better than, than some of the chances I was given and maybe not as good as I thought at, at the same time. I recognize that now. Um, but, uh, look, I, I, I haven't seen red in a while. Talked to him while he retired. I reached out to him a few years ago. Uh, I think the team's in really good shape with Mel Pearson there, who was an yeah. assistant for part of one year that where I was as well. That and team by the way, Brian Wiseman was uh, yeah. That team had some studs. I didn't want to interrupt you, but that team has some studs the, between Owen Power, that Matty Beneers kid from World Juniors. I love the motor on him. Uh, would love to see the Sabres draft him. Um, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you're talking like these these kids, and this has been a weird year because of COVID, obviously. And I know there's TV and stuff, but I haven't been able to cover much. I haven't covered any college hockey, none. And I usually cover 15 games and I do ESPN regionals and stuff. And, and I haven't been able to. So I I'm going to do East, the hockey East just started last night. I saw, I think it was UConn uh, and somebody. Yeah. I'm doing a game on Wednesday. Um, that's going to be my first college game. And then I'm doing the hockey East final. Do you do the bean pot in a normal year? Yeah. Yeah. That's a fun right. fucking tournament. People outside of New England that don't know, like that's a the bean it was pot. Great last game. year, phenomenal last year, phenomenal. Love it. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. I was actually going to bring that up to a big day in the hockey East yesterday at Boston College with the three-two win over New Hampshire, and then um, oh excuse me, um, I lost my voice there for a second. Um, it was it a four-to-one victory by UMass over. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah, New Hampshire. It's, <laughs> No, I'm it, waiting to yeah, I'm waiting to find out where I'm going on Wednesday. I pray to God I'm going to BC because I live seven minutes from there. Nice little, nice little trip. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Drink, drink your morning coffee. You know, get hop in the car. You're there there in ten minutes. Yes, that's all. I, I it's instead of driving about uh, two hours to another one. Billy, yeah. I'm I'm just thankful that you know COVID's affected me in a lot of ways, but. You have not having to go down for the chowder and like the four tournaments in Marble and Foxborough and dealing with that fucking traffic 
That's the one positive out of all this. But I love my time in New England. Um, always take my teams there. I'm there every summer. Do some work with the East Coast Militia and those guys. And um, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a great sports town. And and well, I, I I just I'm a big fan of yours, man. Really appreciate. It. I know our fans are gonna um, thank you for your time and, and thank you for answering my questions, man. Appreciate it. You got it. I'm I'm happy to be on. Thank Dwayne for reaching out. Dwayne, you're the best. <laughs> I, I can't wait to have you on again when you have the time, Billy. Yeah, you, you, you definitely meshed well with our personalities for sure, and you let us have it when we when we when you need to let us have it. Which is he's, a, he's a glue guy. He's a good guy in the room. Good guy in the room. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you this. I'm an old fart now. I'm a lot older than you guys. And all kidding aside, in broadcasting, I know that podcasting has changed the world in many ways. The uh, the broadcast world, right? Anybody can get away with things and this and that and everything. But just remember, what you say, unfortunately, becomes fact sometimes, even if it's not right. And I think that there's a lot of, and I say this is an old, again, an old guy, but somebody who's been doing it for 20, Jesus Christ, how long have I been doing it now? A long time. Facts matter. Things matter. And because there's too many people that take what they hear and run with it instead of really knowing the actual truth. When they say, next thing you know, it's, well, so-and-so said, well, Dwayne said, well, Cully said, and that has to be fact. And if it isn't fact, don't do it. So I'll leave it with this. Don't fuck up. That's my one (laughs) F-bomb here. All right? Love it. Channels before it finally gets to to you. And it's like, well, you know, who's grandma? You said this. No, no, don't, uh, you know, have fun. You guys are doing a great job, but facts matter. Thank you. All right? I appreciate it. I hope you can have you again sometime, Billy. Thanks again. Right. See you later, guys. All right, guys. That has been episode, what is it? We're at 50, 57. Uh, 57 of Tyler So um, before we left, what a guy. Oh, he, he was unbelievable, man. Like, I just, uh, I'm just excited that he meshed as well with us. Better than what I expected. You know, he let us have it. You know, I had a couple follow-ups there, and he called me out on it, and I fucking love it. It's, it he's it's just great. a good guy, man. You can tell he's a hockey guy. Oh, uh, yeah. you can tell he's been not not just a good hockey player in his day, but you can just tell he's been around the game, and, and um, you know, I love those people. They're just – there's just a certain and, – and I hate – not too often a tangent, Dwayne, but I think that that's where – that's what makes hockey special, right, yeah. is, is, is the way that it kind of – the people that have been around the game at the highest level or just been around the game, they have this aura about them, this way about them, and there's this respect kind of – I'm, I'm doing a terrible job of explaining it, but you know what I'm talking about? And we see it with like 90% of the guests we have on, right? And it's very easy to see the difference between uh, – and I'm not going to use any names, but like some of the younger guys – it's not even a young old thing, but some of the guys that haven't been around and are just you know strictly broadcast reporters, and then the guys that have truly lived it and like are hockey guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and he's successful for a whole bunch of reasons. And a big part of it is because he says how it is. Okay. He, he knows the game and he's just a good dude. You know what I mean? Like, I uh, really appreciate you getting guys like this on, man. That yeah. was incredible. Yeah. And he's definitely, he, you could tell he enjoyed his time with us. Cause I initially I told him 20 to 30 minutes. He stayed on with us for an hour. He enjoyed yeah, awesome. us. And I, I love that, man. He was, it was a lot of fun. One thing, one thing. I've been meaning to bring this up forever. Um, being a Michigan fan, you know, Stefan Poop, I think he played for the Sabres. Um, I think he did. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he, did. he played in the he's NHL. There. Stefan Poopa. Or he's Darren Poopa. Yeah, they're brothers. Sorry, even better. But the fact that when I because I knew his nickname was Poops, and um, just the fact that he brought that up, um, 
having the nickname Poops. Like, that's incredible. Is that not the best nickname ever? Love it. Poops. Hey, Poops. Hey, what's up, Poops? How you doing, Poops? Like, come on. Hey, Poops. 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 Hey, and uh, it was fun talking to Billy. That's that was, that was like, what a beauty, man. Yeah, I yeah, feel like yeah. we could have we could have shot the shit with him for three hours. Um, and you know he's got some stories locked up in that vault. They're not. You're not. I tried. I tried to get a couple out. You're not getting them out that easy. No, no, no. Maybe I, I meant to ask him next time. Uh, you know, if I'm in Boston, maybe I can get him get him get him to meet me out for a couple Dude, fucking Sam Adams or something. That would be uh, a fucking. That would be a night yeah, to remember. Yeah, I, I go. I I normally you know pre COVID times I go to Boston once a year. It'd be great to meet a guy like him out for a beer and you know, you know exchange a few stories. But uh, before we obviously we let this show go, I just want to let everyone know that support for two goalies one Mike is brought to you by Manscaped. Who is the best in men's below the waist grooming? Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below the waist grooming needs. Get Lawnmower 3.0. It has a little built in flashlight, little guard to a uh, little uh, ceramic guard to prevent any nicks and cuts, which is absolutely clutch for a guy like me. Um, and like I said, you don't never know you need a flashlight for your razor until you have a flashlight for your razor. It's awesome. You know, yeah, most precise razor I've ever used in my life. It's waterproof in case you're in a hurry in the morning. You got to get a quick shave, hot date. Got to, uh, got to do it in the shower. Works right in the shower. So manscaped.com. When you use the code word train wreck, all capital letters, T R A I N W R E C K. You get 20% off and free shipping. That's train wreck discount code 20% off. Free shipping, Cully. What a what an episode! Had a blast. Uh, already can't wait for next week. Love it, man. Love it. Great episode. Get manscaped. Make sure your taint's nice and clean. Um, <laughs> I'm just man. I can't wait to meet a guy. I I just want to track down Darren or Stefan Poopa and just just trail by and be like, "What's up, poops?" And just What's to see his poopy? reaction. Poopa. Um, hey, thanks for tuning in, guys. Billy Jaffe was great. Dwayne, you're doing, you're killing it with these guests, man. I, I love it. Start my week off the right way, and um, I love it. So let's see if the Sabers can't figure it the fuck out here. Yeah, tighten it up. All right, guys. <laughs> see you coming on episode 57 of Two Goalies, Mom, Mike, and we will talk to you next week.
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.